Hey y'all, I'm Taylor DeHaze, a seven-figure business consultant and strategist for online health and wellness coaches desiring to change history and build life-changing companies. Real talk, I wasn't an overnight success, and that would make for a pretty boring story. I was fired from my TV reporting career of a decade with just $825 to my name. In just two years, I built a seven-figure online coaching business. Now I'm sharing my proven strategies with you. Oh, and we'll keep it real, discussing mindset, money, and hardship to help you build the life of your dreams. Grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. Welcome to the Taylor DeHaze Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. Sorry this took me like a year to schedule, but we're here. (laughs) It's okay. Sick. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive right in. Okay, so we're talking about flexible dieting and this like Fitspo culture. And I've just, you know, I've watched you for probably a few years at this point. And it's been really inspiring because I simultaneously have been going through a lot of hormone healing, gut healing, removing a lot of these products that you talk so negatively about, right? Um, and kind of the same background, I think, for you as, as a little bit of that. So I would like to know how you're really going as far as saying that the the fitness industry is really the new big food. If you can talk about that. Yeah. I I mean, it's, that was a conclusion that I had to come to terms with myself because I spent years promoting a lot of brands that you will find at GNC and vitamin shop. And we just automatically think that something that is marketed as fit um, or has protein is automatically healthy. And so many brands have piggybacked off of that. And now we have things that are like Snickers came out with a protein, um, like a powder protein. So we have to think like, is this actually healthy, right? Like, does it make sense to have protein coming from a brand like Snickers, which is literally a junk food brand? Um, I wouldn't consider a Snickers healthy by any means, but why are they creating protein powder? Because we are starting to realize that people in the fitness industry will practically eat anything that has high protein. So now they can eat all the junk food they want as long as it's high in protein. So a lot of these big food brands are taking advantage of that. You know, you have brands across the board from Snickers to Hershey to now just fitness brands in general, creating all these crazy protein powders that are flavored like Cinnabons and um, milkshakes and sour candies. So we have to think like, where is this coming from? And is this actually healthy for us? And why are we straying away from real food that naturally is high in protein and what's actually going on here? And why is this such a booming industry? When I remember being younger, like even in middle school, and like, that's when I really started paying attention to you know, low fat, low carb. That's just when I got into the dieting culture. Right. Mm. And there weren't really protein options then. I mean, I think that we had, I, I saw my dad eat cliff bars cause he rode bikes, yeah. you know, but like <laughs> nothing really protein heavy. Um, but it's, it's almost like that's the fitness industry now, right? All of these products that we speak as fitness coaches. So heavily against like stay away from the low carb mark, the keto marked, but yet we're running to a protein chip, a protein cookie, right? Like when did we forget how to eat and fuel our bodies? Like that's, you know what I mean? I know that you have experience with, you know, the whole bodybuilding lifestyle too. And I can tell you, I used to, you know, eat all the protein treats as well, but um, just curious to know your take on kind of how it's evolved, but it really hasn't. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's a lot of things I would say just from logically what makes sense and what I've personally been through. Um, when you are in that, you know, dieting mode where you can't have this, it's a lot of can'ts, right? You can't eat carbs or you can't have this, you know, milkshake or you can't have this burger and you can't have these fries and you can't, 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 can't. And it becomes extremely restrictive. So I think a lot of us have gone through that phase or maybe are currently still in that phase, but you start to go and you feel very restrictive. It's like, I can only eat within these macros, or I can only eat within these calories. And this is a hundred calories. And so I can eat this, but I can't eat this because yada, yada, yada. So it becomes extremely restrictive. And I think that these fitness brands have found a way to keep them very low calorie, but very, but also very highly processed. So that's why, and also when you're in a very restrictive mindset, when you're dieting or when you're only focusing on calories or only focusing on macros, you are depleting a lot of nutrients that your body needs 
So you're lacking a lot of nutrients also that your body is craving to do regular functions. So when you're lacking nutrients, it strikes all these cravings. So, you know, whether it's, you know, you're lacking minerals or just certain vitamins, you're going to start craving chocolate or you're going to crave something sweet or something, you know, sugary or something salty, or you're going to crave a lot of carbs. Like naturally as women, we crave carbs right before our period because our body knows that we're going to need a lot of energy to menstruate. Like it takes energy. So our body knows that it's going to crave carbs. The types of carbs that you choose are going to decide whether you're going to have a healthy menstrual flow or one that is going to be more painful or maybe more irregular, et cetera, et cetera. So when we're in this dieting mindset, you know, these cravings, I think big food and big fitness is the new industry that I've created, takes advantage of that because they're like, hey, you, I know you can't have this Cinnabon, but we can create a protein powder that has that. So it feeds your cravings and it's within your macros and it's within your calories. So here have this. So now we're just seeing this boom of people who are extremely nutrient deficient that all they really need is more high quality food. But instead of doing that, it's much easier to just satisfy your craving with a, a brownie batter protein powder or a you know birthday cake protein bar. It's much easier to go that route than to actually eat healthier. So, I mean, it's no surprise. And, you know, we are going to dive into the flexible dieting culture. So if you are a coach listening to this and, you know, this totally was me years ago where it was the if it fits your macros approach. Um, where I felt like it was totally cool to have a Rice Krispie treat before a workout, right? Thank God that's yeah. well in the past for me. But before we dive into that, just to kind of put a little more emphasis on the severity of this, you know, I think it's like one in two Americans have a chronic disease. I've even seen it on your page where, you know, 12% of Americans are considered metabolically healthy. And I'd be surprised yeah. if that's even accurate. Like it's, if it's not, you know, lower, um, why do you think that is? I know you've kind of already alluded to it, but like, there's so many Americans that are trying to be health conscious, right? So like 12%. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's low. And I also think that's also a large, like that's a large percentage at the same time. I just, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a lot of factors, but when we think about metabolically healthy, it's talking about certain markers like waist circumference, where I don't necessarily look at waist circumference as like the be all end all of like, if you are healthy or not, I've definitely seen women who actually benefit from having a little bit more um, fat on them because fat is healthy to have on the body. Whereas we see in the bodybuilding industry, women who are extremely lean tend to also struggle with infertility and hormonal related issues. So it's like, how are we really measuring what healthy is? So that's why I actually think it's much lower than that because my whole life I've spent as a personal trainer and as in bodybuilding and I was always thin, but that's when I struggled actually the most with hormonal problems and heavy periods and migraines and chronic acne and but I was skinny and I had abs, so I wasn't considered unhealthy. And I per I actually would have probably been that 12% of metabolically healthy people because I fit the marker. But what we're seeing today, and after I kind of got out of that phase and started kind of waking myself up to the big food industry and what, what I was actually eating, because I was consuming like birthday batter and birthday cake protein bars and protein shakes, um, I started to realize that I, I probably wouldn't be the healthiest and I wouldn't be actually healthy at all to what what true health was you know I was like 24 years old and I literally felt like I had the body of someone that was like 60 or 70 like I was just so exhausted and so run down and um, my skin was horrific and my energy was horrible and I had chronic migraines I just went through it all so yeah if I to be honest if I were to create my own number I feel like it would be something even lower like two percent or three percent like something really low um, we are just, as a society, we're not doing well um, when it comes to our health. And there's just so much, I think, information where people just, they want a guideline of like, this is what you have to eat. You have to either eat vegan or you have to be keto or you have to um, be a carnivore, whatever the diet is. People want a guideline of how to eat instead of we're so far from just eating intuitively. Like what what are the foods that we're really supposed to be eating? Um, and that's why also like when I used to count my macros, you know, macros are obviously important. You need your fats, you need your carbs, you need your protein. Those are obviously the macronutrients that we need. But at the same time, we're missing all the micronutrients. Like it's easy to hit your macros with a simple protein shake. 
But what other vitamins and minerals are we missing from that protein shake if that's mostly what we're eating? Or all these synthetic, you know, ready-to-go shakes or protein bars and all these vitamins and minerals that they add in that you see in the nutrition thing, most of them aren't even bioavailable. They're all synthetic versions. So people wonder, oh my God, why am I so deficient in vitamin D or I'm so deficient in vitamin B or I'm deficient in all these minerals or why are my cravings crazy? Because you're only focusing on three nutrients and your body works off of hundreds of different types of nutrients and minerals and vitamins and uh, macros and different types of proteins, not just protein from a steak, but also protein from fish. And if you think that you can get all of that from something that was created on a conveyor belt, like spoiler alert, it's it's probably not going to happen, you know? So this is why we're I think we're seeing more people become unhealthy, more people struggle with autoimmune problems. Um, even me, I was borderline autoimmune coming out of my bodybuilding and training era where physically I was probably the fittest and I looked the healthiest that I've ever been. But internally, my body was like, something's truly wrong. And I think that's really what's happening today is people are so focused on a number on a scale rather than like, how am I functioning? You know? Well, and so I'm listening to your story and while we have similar backgrounds in terms of the competing and things like that, you know, you had all of these symptoms and I can tell you that I didn't until I did. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I had none until I quite literally gained 45 pounds in 90 days and couldn't figure mm-hmm. out what the heck was happening. And then it was dysbiosis, mold, no cortisol, hormones. Like, I mean, it was everything, right? But I was always able to stay lean and, you know, tracking macros. I wasn't completely disregarding labels, but I wasn't the way that I am now where I'm looking for all the inflammatories. But here's where the danger, I think, or where the, I guess, red flag comes into play. There's all these coaches that I work with on a, you know, daily basis and everyone is just so hyper-focused on not only aesthetics, but like getting their clients to, you know, food freedom or whatever. And it's like that food freedom aspect to me is really where the danger lies. I know we're going to yeah. that for sure, but we're already kind of talking about it. And so I wanted to just get your take on, you know, these coaches who are listening to this. I, I want somebody to hear this and think, oh, my Bear Bells protein bar isn't the end all be all right. Where it's like, yeah. that's not the point. Like, like similar to what you were saying, you did, you had all these symptoms. So, you know, I now looking back, I'm like, that's why I had all these cravings. That was the symptom. If you can say that's one, but mm. otherwise my body, I didn't feel bad. I felt really good. Um, and I was kind of bouncing bef- between powerlifting and bodybuilding. So like performance was still fine for me. It was really just like something happened where, I wasn't getting lean enough for prep. Something just really wasn't working this time. And I was like, something is wrong. So I'm just curious to know your take on the balance and these coaches that I work with who might roll their eyes when they see the title of this podcast, right? Like what's your take on, you know, good and bad foods, right? There's no good and bad. I just want to kind of, before we dive into ingredients, just the big picture of that. Yeah. Food freedom is a big one because I think food freedom for me was the straw that broke the camel's back um, because that was the last quote unquote diet that I was on before I eat the way that I eat now, which I actually think is true food freedom, um, which like I'll get to, but yeah, like this idea that we can eat whatever we want, as long as it's in moderation or nothing's going to kill you if you eat it once. The problem is, is that there is no moderation in the types of foods that we're eating. Um, This is why people feel like they need to continue to fight to have that candy bar in their life. You know, there was a point, and again, I can only speak for myself and maybe somebody can relate listening to this, but I went from counting my calories right at the beginning of my fitness journey. I was a trainer. I was counting my calories. I was like, this feels really restrictive. So I think I'm just going to count my macros and it gives me a little bit more leniency. So then I was just counting my macros, making sure I was hitting my protein, my carbs, my fats. Um, And that gave me a little bit more leniency, but like my cravings were still there. And I was, I started to realize that I was trading some of my higher quality macros for like my sweeter 
more processed macros. So, you know, instead of having, you know, that chicken for dinner, I would go out to eat and have, you know, Wendy's or I would have McDonald's or I would have something else because I I needed that, but I still wanted to hit my macros because I had physical goals. So then from there, I was like, all right, well, I feel like I look really good. I can start maintaining. Maybe I'll just go into this like food freedom. I kind of have an idea of how much I'm supposed to eat every day, but I just feel like I need more freedom. Like I don't want to sit there weighing my food or counting my macros. Like, I just feel like I don't want to do that anymore because it does become very stressful. So I got into food freedom, which is like pretty much you can eat whatever you want, essentially, um, because nothing can kill you. All food in moderation. No food is good or bad. Um, And I ate like that for, I would say, probably like two, three years. And that was probably the two, three years where I don't think I actually had a single thought that was my own. Like my body was controlling the way I ate and that was it. So um, if I wanted a burger, I had a burger. If I wanted a protein shake, I had a protein shake. If I had wanted, you know, McDonald's, I'd have McDonald's. And it was those things where I was like, not like it's not like I was having it every day, but it's like if I wanted it, I had it. And I, and I, I satisfied my craving as it came. If I wanted cupcakes, I'd have cupcakes. If I wanted brownies, I'd brownies. It didn't matter where it came from, what it was, because at the end of the day, no food is good or bad. So yeah, I just went that way for a long time. And obviously there's thousands of accounts that love this way of eating. Um, but scientifically, these foods are created to be addictive. That's why when you have a Cheeto or you have a Dorito, every single bite is the same. You know exactly the taste that you're going to get. This is why people are addicted, especially in the fitness industry, are addicted to diet Dr. Peppers and diet sodas. It's because you know the taste that you're going to get every single time. It's not the same as drinking a smoothie. You can make the same smoothie every day. It's going to taste a little bit different every single day. We become extremely addicted to the way that these foods satisfy our taste buds and there's a whole science around it. it's literally called food science there's people who literally study our taste buds and they get the crunch absolutely perfect so every crunch is the same and the taste is absolutely perfect and it's shelf stable so that means whether you buy it today or you buy it in 10 weeks it's going to taste exactly the same so they they pretty much have monetized our taste buds perfectly and they even know how long a chip the taste can linger on the tongue enough so that you can't just have one, you know, have you ever just had one Dorito? No, you have to at least have half the bag, you know, it's like impossible. But for a long time, I would think that me binging on the weekend or not being able to control myself was something wrong with me. When in reality, when I opened up the Pandora's box of food addiction and, um, just how food science works and what they actually do behind the scenes. Dorito Effect is a really good book to like learn more about that. Um, that's when I realized like, holy shit, this is much bigger than me. This isn't my fault. Like there's a reason why I can't just have one Oreo. I need to have a whole row. Um, and again, food, it's very hard to have food freedom when your taste buds are literally being hijacked by all these foods. So yeah, that was like, for me, that's when I really realized that there is no such thing as moderation. And there are foods that are either going to contribute to illness or contribute to health. And me eating whatever I wanted wasn't, maybe it was good for my mental health very for a small amount of time. But I realized as I ate that, ate like that for over the course of like two, three years, my anxiety got worse. I was way more sad. I was way, I wouldn't even say I was in a depression because I don't think it got that bad. Um, but I was definitely way more um, exhausted, way, way more sad, like way more easier to get sad. Um, just very down all the time, but I really had bad anxiety attacks and those miraculously went away once I actually started focusing on like actually good foods, you know, not like, oh, everything food is good. Like we have to have some sort of, like it's okay to label foods. Like I'm at that point now where like, it's okay. It's okay to label shit as shit. Like that's fine. Like I'm not going to look at shit on the ground and be like, Oh, maybe it's a beautiful rock. Like, no, it's not. It's literally shit. And it is. And that's fine. Like it doesn't have to ruin my day. It doesn't have to ruin my life. I'm not a bad person because you know, I said that that's shit on the ground. Like I'm just being realistic. And that's just kind of how I look at food. Like I look at bag of Doritos. I'm like, that's ultra processed food. That's not part of my diet. I don't want it. I want to go back to when you said really quickly that like you could only have, or you couldn't only have one, right? Yeah. I want to hit on that for a second because 
I can relate to that. And I know a ton of coaches listening can specifically, I can't just have one Oreo, right? Yeah. But what I, what I want to get your take on is these coaches that will get clients that say the same thing, they'll put them on a macro friendly trade-off, right? And it almost like swapping bad for bad, right? So like, oh, I can have one Oreo. Okay. But what else do they consume that day? Two Oreos at lunch, a protein bar for a snack, a pre-workout, like, right. So I want to get your take on like swapping the addiction for the fitness addiction. It's like, does that make sense? Yeah. And that kind of goes to like our first point of like how the fitness industry, like how the big, big fitness has now become like a thing where instead of having the Oreo, you can have an Oreo flavored protein shake, or you can have like high protein or I've seen literally just the other day I got tagged and this was like high protein Oreo balls, like protein Oreo balls. And people will opt for those. And that's why those pages have like a million plus followers because people want these quote unquote fitter alternatives. But at the end of the day, like the Oreo is still an Oreo, like it's still an ultra processed food, whether it has more protein or not. Is the protein going to help maybe with your aesthetic goals? Yeah, sure. But adding protein powder to an Oreo at the end of the day, it's still freaking Oreo. You're still ingesting um, the highly addictive properties of that Oreo. And I think one thing that those types of coaches lack, which I also lacked as a coach when I first started is like what cravings mean and what's actually happening in the body. If you consistently find that, like, because that was my go-to tree. That's why I brought up Oreos. That was like, I would eat healthy all day, quote unquote healthy. Like I'd have my chicken, my rice, my broccoli, or my chicken, my rice, my my asparagus or any veggie. And then I would have like a row of Oreos, like every couple nights. Um, And it was like my guilty pleasure, but I was like, well, I eat so healthy during the day. Like I can afford, you know, I never felt guilty about it until eventually I was like, all right, this is a problem. Like I'm, I get like, this is what I want to eat, but what's actually happening here. Um, you never want to say like you're addicted to food, but I really was. It was like one of those things. But um, me trading that for maybe like an Oreo protein shake is is not going to be any different. Like it's still null of nutrients. Like I'm not really getting any nutrients from it and I'm going to keep on craving it. So I think a lot of coaches just lack that education, just as like you Western medicine in general kind of lacks a lot of education around like looking at things holistically, how like you know, maybe for me, I used to struggle with um, like chronic migraines. It was easy for them to just give me what they knew best, which is a prescription. When in reality, no one tested me for my minerals. I was just extremely mineral uh, mineral deficient, especially in magnesium, which that cured my migraines. So I don't really get them anymore. Where it's like with fitness coaches, it's very easy to be- become a fitness coach. Like I took my NASM, it was like a t- exam, whatever. I took it. Now I can, now whatever with this, with this coaching thing, I can go teach hundreds of people um they don't really teach you what cravings are and what that means and what a good alternative is and no one's saying like oh and so instead of having oreo have an apple like clearly that's not an equivalent but with this knowledge if you see that your client is continuing to crave sugar continuing continuing to crave salt that might be a deeper issue that is going on that's actually going to help them have a healthier overall healthier relationship with food when they're not um kind of like a you know, a prisoner to their cravings, because that was when I had food freedom, I was a prisoner to my cravings, which if I wanted sugar, I had sugar. If I wanted that Oreo, I had that Oreo and I never felt guilty about it. So obviously emotionally, I was like, oh, I feel so good because I look good and I get to have my Oreos. Um, But yeah, it becomes like a serious issue. And I just think coaches lack that missing piece of how do I help my client in the long term? Maybe she can have the Oreo for now. Maybe we can find a better, safer alternative, like a healthier alternative, like a Newman's, that's like a brand, a Newman's Oreo, which has like less um, sugar and all these things. And then slowly try to taper them off and work on some mineral deficiencies and uh, maybe even emotional trauma that they've had that can cause different types of cravings. Like it is so multifaceted. And that's why now I consider myself a holistic fitness um, coach because it's not as simple as just being like, okay, well, if you want an Oreo, just have high, high protein Oreo balls. Like you're, it's the same. It's literally the same exact thing. Just one has protein and one doesn't. And that doesn't make it healthier. It just makes it more macro friendly. And then going back macro, just because you're eating your macros doesn't mean you're eating healthy. It's like just this big 
this big mesh of like people just throwing buzzwords around thinking that it means healthy and it's not. So you stopped drinking alcohol. I know we're talking about moderation. So I know you yeah. stopped drinking alcohol a few years ago. Tell me why that's not part of moderation for you. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of research on it saying that even as little as three beers a week can cause cognitive decline and uh, Alzheimer's and dementia are becoming uh, one of the top five killers in the United States. So it just makes you kind of think like how socialized and normalized drinking alcohol is e even in a moderate way, right? Like having three beers a, a weekend um, is a pretty easy like goal, I guess. Like you can go to a bar and easily have three beers. Like, and that's just a beer. Imagine going now, I guess the equivalent would be like what one drink, like one cocktail um, with the amount of alcohol that's in beer. So that's an easy, I would have like probably a cocktail every once in a while. Um, and then it just kind of hit a point where I was doing that. And then I kind of cut down um, to like the hard kombuchas and like the healthier alternatives. And then I just started to ask myself, like, why, like, why, you know, like, why do I actually need, like, what do I need the alcohol for exactly? And um, it didn't feel like there was a purpose behind it. It just felt like I was either trying to fit in or I felt like I needed like this boost of confidence, which already existed in me. Um, or it just helped me maybe like relax a little bit more, but I found other ways to do those things to help relax. And, um, I, I actually realized that a lot of friends that I had, I only liked because I drank with, with them and a lot of things that I went out and did, I only liked cause I was drunk doing them. So it just really took a lot of, um, shit out of my life that I just realized I didn't want, even if it was in moderation, like I would feel, I would just feel like crap so um besides you know the emotional aspect of it obviously the science too I have like a whole high, sober highlight of how even again like such little amounts of alcohol can be extremely detrimental just to the brain and it's a scary thing when you have people who are older and more and more people are trying to lose their memory and again like Alzheimer's is on the rise so you have to kind of think like how what, how, what can I do to protect my brain because that's really without your brain like really what do you have so is a drink really worth it to me, not so much. So I just, it was one of those things that I was like, do I really need it? And it felt like a no, like I didn't have a solid reason um, that felt good in my heart to continue drinking alcohol, even if it was like, I got in drink at my wedding and I feel like I had the best freaking time, didn't drink at my bachelorette party, I had the best freaking time. So I was like, you know what? this energy is within me and I already have it. I don't, I don't think I need the alcohol. Um, I mean, I don't drink either. So I just wanted to ask, yeah. I, I haven't, you know, I love it. It just, I, I never, I can count on like, you know, two hands, how many times I like consumed alcohol and it was in college. But um, yeah. I always ask you, because for me, that's, that's the same thing. Like alcohol has always been the one thing where I know you could probably ask the same question with an Oreo, but I guess like for me, alcohol just logically it's never served me so yeah. I just was like I'm, I'm with you too and, and the older you get the more you kind of surround yourself with people that either like share that philosophy or don't but I know there's a lot of coaches that I work with that are you know practicing or preaching rather the um just that kind of a lifestyle where you know you can have the cocktail and have the best body and have the best you know um yeah. that that food freedom and I know we've talked about this before but I just think that that again is a slippery slope right a hundred percent. And it's like, also on top of that, I feel like a lot of people that, you know, whether you're struggling with your weight or whatever the case may be, because obviously that's why you probably seek out a fitness coach in general is like, I don't care to just like looking good is one aspect of life, right? Like you're going to look good and for a very short amount of your life. And then the rest, you're going to be like wrinkly. Um, so it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, I'm going to look good for a while, but I want to feel good for the, for my whole life. And that's the biggest thing. So I think a lot of coaches, they, again, like how you kind of mentioned, like they want to have all these trophies of clients that they can show off and be like, look, I got her from this to this. And that's amazing. But like, how's their mental health? How is their organ function? Um, how is their just their will to like have vitality and like, how is all of that? Because that's also important. And that's kind of where looking at fitness from a more holistic standpoint is like, you're also getting your mind right. You're getting your body right, which is also very important. But I don't focus on how I look as much as I did when I was practicing counting my macros and counting my uh, my food or having food freedom. Like, 
I feel like now the way I eat and the way I live is so all like kind of in a harmony where it's much easier for me to kind of give up something like alcohol being 28 years old when I, when I gave it up, it was just much easier for me. Cause I was like, I, everything I do, I want it to do. Th- I want it to be something that's going to benefit my life and make me ha- overall happier and make me feel like I actually genuinely love myself. And I don't need an outside influence to help me do that. It's just all coming from within and my own energy. So yeah, and it just makes it easier for me to say no to food, certain foods, and say no to alcohol and say no to events that I don't freaking like. I think and people are so nervous about like what other people will say, right? Like that also yeah. is part of the food freedom journey is like you're you're weird. It's still it yeah. still is not totally normalized. Like you're on social media, you consume it all day. I'm on social media, I consume it all day. But it's still and I want to dive into supplements right now and brands and like labels and things like that. But you know when, when somebody, it drives me nuts. Now when a coach will take a picture of a label, put it on Instagram and be like macro friendly. And then you're like, Oh yeah, this oil, this oil, you know what I mean? This gum, this natural yeah. flavor, like it's wild. Right. And so, um, to your point, it's, it's just a slippery slope, right? Like it's just challenging yeah. to, then uh, it's like, how much are you actually consuming? Like, I know for me, like when I tell people to just start paying attention, like, all right, let's just say it's like an artificial dye, for example, um, you know, you can have that in, you know, your morning oatmeal, they could add dye in your oatmeal, then you can have it for lunch in the form of a juice or in the form of ketchup, like there's sometimes dyes in ketchup to make it more red. And then at dinner, you're probably consuming artificial dye. So it's like, yeah, maybe that one supplement that you're like, oh, then my supplement has it check how many other things I've literally seen pickles with artificial dye. So it's like, you may think you're eating or like you're avoiding it as much as you can, but it literally shows up like that one ingredient can show up in everything. So yeah, like that moderation, it's like, okay, but how much? Because although that one pickle, maybe like that dose has been tested, how many doses are you actually consuming throughout a day? And then on top of that, how much throughout a week, throughout a month, throughout a year, those things accumulate. So the same thing with kind of endocrine disruptors, and we have those PFAs, the forever chemicals, those literally do not break down in the body. So you have it once, and now it's going to take years for it to finally break down. So this is why we go full avoidance. There is no such thing as moderation with some of these things. And the same thing with fragrance and candles. It's like, it's really hard to gauge moderation when we don't actually, like, we are technically the experiment, like we, this is what it is. And the fact that our health just keeps getting worse over the years, and more and more people are coming down with autoimmune diseases, it makes you think like, what has changed? Because it hasn't been our genes, it hasn't been our DNA, we're the same humans, humans we were 100 years ago. The only common denominator that's changed across these 100 years is our food and the ingredients in it. So we have to think like, what are we doing wrong? We have the most access to diet foods that we've ever had. Like the most well, let's talk about the diet foods, right? Like, yeah. because I know that we can totally like go down so many rabbit holes, but like, let's break this down because I don't think that a lot of people understand like really common ingredients and why they're so ch- like, you know, um, just not great for you. And I'll start with yeah. the first one. Uh, Cause I know you have a ton of, you know, things in your brain, of course, but the first one, the battle with aspartame, sucralose, yeah. right? That is the biggest one. Like my diet Coke's not going to kill me. There's no research showing that artificial sweeteners are addictive. Like, I mean, you see these big names in the industry and I'm not going to like say any of the names, but like that are Mm -hmm. saying, no, that's BS. Artificial sweeteners are totally fine to consume. There's no study showing it. What's your take on it? Yeah. I mean, I don't need a study to tell me what is like obvious in my head. If something's artificial, I've never thought that something artificial should be ingested by the human, the natural human body. Um, So that's the first thing. The second thing is there are a lot of these big names um, that I've taken the studies that they are referring to. And at the very bottom where it says conflict of interest, they're done by scientists who literally work for Pepsi-Cola or Coca-Cola or whatever the case may be. So there is a lot of conflict of interest in just the science aspect of it all. But then I also like to go back and um, talk about there There have been numerous times where science has indeed been wrong. Like, for example, New York just recently banned um, dioxane, which is a endocrine disruptor, and it's been linked to cancer. They just now banned that 
this is an ingredient that's been in our laundry detergent easily for about 30, 40 years. So why now? Um, and this is also an ingredient which I have been, um, you know, talked talked about by people saying like, oh my God, a laundry detergent isn't going to kill you. It's not a big deal. But here we are a couple years later and it, it is indeed being banned. So I go off the course of what common sense is. And I've, up until this point, there has not been research saying that it's horrible for you. There's been a couple studies here and there, but they're always, you know, to the extremely science-based community where it's like to a fault, like you can be science-based to a fault, like, right. Just for example, like I don't need a study to tell me that if I bang my head against a wall, that I'm going to get a concussion. I kind of know that, right? Like I don't need to physically do that to prove my point or like have a science scientist come to my house and run the study on me. And that's something I know. So for me, I don't really need a study to tell me like, hey, artificial dyes and artificial sweeteners are good for you because they don't have any calories in this, that, and the other. Like I'd rather go my, like I just personally don't need it in my diet. I have no problem avoiding it. So I don't want to go 50 years. And then in 50 years from now, he goes, oh, just so you know, it causes cancer. And then here I am in my hospital bed, God forbid, with cancer being like, oh shit, like I probably should have avoided it. Why didn't science tell me? maybe science just didn't want to tell me like there's just so much corruption that goes on that a lot of studies that are done don't make it to the um the public and then a lot of them are just not being funded because it would go against some of the biggest food companies in the industry right now that practically own everything so people don't yeah realize how much like money and power plays into some of these as well I mean like yeah think about how big the food industry is right and like you mentioned I love when people bring that up about the artificial sweetener studies because all of the big ones that are out there like you said there's like Pepsi on the bottom Coca-Cola on the bottom I mean it's not like it's a hidden fact but that's not the yeah. highlight reel or the clickbait that you see on social media right and yeah. so I want to go into some supplements like Alani New, First Form, Ghost, these popular brands that a lot of, um, you know, my clients are consuming and talk about like, let's say three ingredients that you want to make sure are just not in your supplements. Because fortunately, I was never the dry scooper, like really glad I never was on that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the people that are taking BCAAs, a protein powder, um, a pre-workout, I mean, whatever else, even like creatine is flavored at this point. So like just any mm -hmm. supplement line, these big names, what are three ingredients that you want to avoid other than artificial sweeteners that you want to really get across? Yeah. I mean, based on my personal standard for what I think, you know, a protein or a protein bar um, or BCAAs or just any of these fitness supplements that people consume on a daily basis, so like based on like what I would go for um, is really like obviously besides artificial sweeteners and artificial dyes, like the very obvious anything that has artificial. So it's like acesulfame, potassium, sucralose, aspartame, which we don't really see like in a protein um, or like a pre-workout or anything like that. But you see it a lot in, in these like candies that people also promote um, as like pre-workouts and things. Um, and then the artificial dyes, which are literally in everything I've seen dyes in protein powders and protein bars and pre-workouts, especially in BCAAs, like, like, I don't really care if it's pink or purple or white, like, I just don't understand why we need the dyes. Um, another big one is like a lot of gums, a lot of stacked gums, um, we're looking at guar gum and xanthan gum, um, even maltodextrin, especially when it comes from corn. Um, these are just like GMOs, they're very, you have to think about like what gums do for a product they're put in there to um, essentially just make sure that they're not like clumping up like, they're kind of like yeah like like gums are meant for things to stay together um, and they're usually in like the protein um, bars so that the bar stays together and it sticks so you have to think about what that does in the gut so many of them have been um, very damaging to the gut in general um, then also another thing that I've just realized um, that as of recent, when you formulate products, a lot of them are like filler product, like a filler ingredient. So we usually see silicon dioxide or titanium dioxide, and these are just filler. So it just tells me like, if I see this in a capsule or I see this in a powder, um, there's probably a large percentage of that protein powder or that pre-workout. A lot of it is just a filler, um, product that blends in with the rest of it. So you're not really getting a lot of the true product. So that usually tells me a product is usually cheap. Um, they're not, you're not really getting a lot of bang for your buck with that sense either. 
Um, and then of course we have like the artificial flavor, which is on obvious, but then also natural flavor has, is a little bit in murky water right now because even recently I saw something that was called like, it was called like raspberry, like margarita or raspberry mojito, but it was natural flavor. And I was like, how the heck do you get a raspberry mojito naturally flavored? Like, I don't like, why doesn't the ingredient list just say like raspberry flavor and then maybe mint flavor. Like that would be a little bit better because it would at least tell me that those are the flavors that are being used, but it just says natural flavor, which can mean hundreds of different things. So usually when I look for things, I make sure that the flavors are at least um, labeled correctly. If it's lemon flavor or it's like the flavor is like citrus, I want to see in the ingredient list either lemon or lemon flavor or orange and orange flavor. Like I want to see those listed out. Um, because now natural flavor, as long as it comes from anything in nature, this is like the FDA definition, it can come from trees, dirt, like uh, we've seen a beaver secretions, like anything. I was waiting on you to say like beaver anal glands, because yeah. I think that like vanilla. Anything, I mean, that's natural, yeah, like it's <laughs> natural, so anything, like you could be like eating, I don't know, ostrich ass for all we know, like as long as it's natural, it's in your product, so it's like we don't even know. So as long as they like say, like, if it says vanilla flavor, then I know it's actually coming from actual vanilla. Whereas if it just says like the actual flavor on the front says vanilla, but then the back just says natural flavor, chances are you're probably ingesting like beaver secretion. So um, those are always kind of like, that's like the new hot murky water that everybody's trying to navigate right now. So yeah, those are kind of like my top, I feel like I gave more than three, but like, those are just kind of my top ingredients that I think people should kind of stay away from if they want their supplements and just their food in general to be the cleanest and the healthiest that it could find the highest quality really at that that it should be so question for you since I know that you were like a fitspo at one point in your life yeah whoever um buy xanthan gum like in bulk to make protein fluff yeah I mean you could buy it at the store yeah <laughs> I just remember like how awful my stomach would hurt after that. Yet I was yeah, like, it's a thank lot. God, I'm so full. It's great. Like wild times, man. Wild times. Yeah. yeah um, and then we wonder why, like we all had like constipation and diarrhea and yeah, it's pretty rough. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, so, you know, I would say I want to kind of just address to wrap this up some symptoms that people might be experiencing and even ones that could be minor that, you know, people brush off, like you're saying migraines and acne and very yeah. things. Um, so I'm curious to know how flexible dieting, eating like this over time, long-term can cause serious issues, right? And I want to kind of address them uh, one by one, but I've seen photos that you've shared before, and I can definitely attest to this, but like the inflammation, even mm. when I hadn't gained a ton of weight yet, I still look back at photos of me and like, I was lean as shit, but it was like just around here, I was puffy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just wild to see the inflammation. So how do you, how does someone know if they're inflamed, if they're not, you know, gaining weight or, or feeling bloated, I guess, how would you consider yeah. Yeah, that. I mean, inflammation is such a like broad term because it could be different for everybody. But I know like common, more common things that people I think overlook is like not a part of their everyday diet and lifestyle is, you know, like joint pain. If you're very young and you're experiencing joint pain, that's another sign of inflammation. Um, the, the lymphatic drainage that's just not happening, which is like that puffiness under your eyes or in your cheeks or just anywhere we have a lot of lymph nodes, which is like in your neck, in your um, in your armpit area. Like some people just have very inflamed armpit areas. Um, obviously in your abdomen and even in your like ankles. Um, so if you have like really poor lymphatic um flow, it's gonna show up as that's just your your lymph is very very sluggish and it could be due to toxins. It could be due to the way that you eat, um, mineral deficiencies, all these different things. That's like another um, way that you're not necessarily bloated. You don't necessarily have that like hard stomach, but you just feel like your lymphatic, your lymph isn't draining the way that it should. Um, obviously the migraines and the hormonal problems but also a big one that's coming up a lot is like the adrenal fatigue. Um, so if you wake up and you feel like you have no energy, big chance that like, and I know so many bodybuilders and fitness people literally like run off of caffeine um, and that was me for a really long time. I wasn't a coffee person, but I was a pre-workout person. So I'd wake up and I'd take my pre-workout and then I'd go to the gym 
And that's like a really big sign that you are going through something like your body's not getting enough energy. You're probably getting shit sleep, even though you're, you're sleeping maybe eight hours. Um, so the, the adrenal fatigue or the HPA axis dysfunction, whichever way you want to call it, that's the biggest one. And this is, this can lead to numerous thyroid problems where you just constantly feel exhausted but you're like wired, like you have energy, but you're like tired at the same time. So that's why you feel like you need a coffee. Yeah. yeah. And it's, that's just, that was me. Oh my God, for the longest time. And so I'm still trying to heal my cortisol, but yeah, those are like some really telltale signs that like something is up. So if you feel like you need, you wake up and you immediately need a coffee, that's for me now, if I know that about somebody, I'm like, that's a major red flag because that means you're most likely not sleeping well and you're working off of your cortisol or your stress hormone. Um, so just kind of in your in fight or flight essentially all day. And that can make you also gain weight, become puffy, have serious cravings, um, be resistant to weight loss. So even if you're eating low calories or eating within your macros, your body's like, no, babe, we're in survival mode. So we're going to latch onto this fat because you need it because I don't know when our next meal is going to be and we're like in survival mode so there's so many different factors that I think aren't addressed in the fitness industry when it comes to weight loss and they make it seem like it's this very easy calculated um you know thing that you can do just calories in right that's it you know what it's like imagine we were just calorie machines like I wish that would be freaking great but like the reality is is I have like 30 different organs in my body and they all need different types of minerals and nutrients to function, not just macros and protein powders. Right. Um, let's talk about the anxiety and depression, right? Because yeah. I've noticed that, you know, anyone that is very type A, which is a lot of us coaches, like we are so yeah. much more prone to the, you know, cortisol, whether it's tanking, rising, and that is linked, you know, hand in hand with anxiety, depression, any kind of mental health um, issue. And I think so many people just slap a pill on it, slap a medication on it and yeah. really address any of the root cause. And I want to know your take on that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough as someone who's dealt with anxiety and um, I've gone to like really dark places with my, within my own mental health for a really long time. I think COVID was like the peak of like where I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I was just extremely like low. Um and that was like right when I had to like start waking up to my, my everything, my whole lifestyle to change everything. But um, it's one of those things where it's so multifaceted and a lot like birth control is a big one um, that contributed to my anxiety also, along with my diet and my lifestyle. And I remember being on the pill, this was like my early twenties and um, it was, yeah, you get into like a really bad place mentally. I know so many women that struggled with depression um, and it was just really rough. Um, and the thing is, is with birth control, is it does deplete you of nutrients, which can cause depression and anxiety and all these other mental health problems. Is I think we just look at it as if I have a mental health problem, it's either like it's I'm going through something emotionally or I've had trauma and like, that's it. Um and then as of recently, I think there was even a study that came out saying that there was no solid evidence that uh, depression is like a chemical imbalance, like you're not just born with a chemical imbalance, that it is a big contributor of diet and lifestyle. And I think too many doctors um, don't know how to address it. Like they don't know what to test for. They don't know how to support people who are dealing with it. They, you know, like why, why aren't we getting women on? Why are we getting women on birth control is the first thing, but even maybe getting them off um, doing prop running proper mineral tests, like an HTMA doing proper, proper hormonal panels, because hormones can also contribute to depression and anxiety, like, and then obviously diet and lifestyle. But I think it's so multifaceted. It's hard to just be like, Oh, you're depressed. Oh, you have anxiety. Here's a pill. Go on with your definitely life. And maybe it'll go away. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. spider web. I, I just, it, it's, it's baffling to me just how many people will be labeled as depressed pill. PCOS protocol, you know what I mean? Yeah. IBS, oh well, right? And um, yeah. yeah, it just, it's sad. Um, and I've, I've noticed that this generation, I guess now that we're all online, right? You know, there's so many coaches, including myself, I know you that have been down this rabbit hole and we've taken ourselves down all of these healing rabbit holes. And there's a lot of coaches that I know specifically that 
just have never even done a lab, right? Like not even a basic mm -hmm. comprehensive lab panel. And so, you know, if we talk to these coaches about how to just be a better coach this year, how to just really advance what they're doing so that they're yeah. not causing more harm, because I don't know if you can relate, but there's coaches or clients that I worked with years ago where I'm like, man, I really should have like done some lab work. I kind of hate that I told somebody to do that. I mean, that's how you grow as a coach, right? Oh, for uh, sure. I hate I, how I used to. Yeah, like oh, some cringeworthy things that we used to say. And yeah. it's like, I see coaches doing the same things that we probably were five years ago, whenever it was now. Yeah. And if somebody's listening to this, it's like, how, how do you start that healing process? Right? Like obviously, you know, eliminating certain foods and things like that, but what's, how does somebody get answers? Like what are some labs you would recommend doing immediately? Yeah. You know, tips. I mean, I'll say even now as a, as a, since I don't take clients anymore, but I still, you know, educate the masses on just how to properly heal and take charge of your health, essentially. Um, as a coach, I still have a coach because I think it's very important that you take advantage of all the different types of coaches out there, right? Like not everyone's going to be good at, good at everything. Um, but I think really building a support system around yourself um, is the most important. Like I know now, like I have a therapist for my mental health and then I have a chiropractor for like my overall alignment. Um, and then I'm making sure that I have like my actual coach that I go to for my labs and being on top of my gut health and my protocols. Um, so it's like, I'm forming this, uh, you know, community of different types of practitioners around me. So I get a very holistic view um, about my health. And I think that's the most important step is like, we obviously many of us have gone to Western um, medicine and we've felt defeated because we go and we get a hormone panel and where we get blood work and then it comes back normal and we're like, what do we do? And it leaves a lot of pressure on us to be the professionals. Um, and I felt like that for a very, very long time. And I think now I'm at a point where I really do take advantage of the people around me and the types of professionals that are out there. Like I don't just need, I feel like we grow up with years like, oh, go to your primary doctor. Um, but now I have like a plethora of people that I can go to about like one thing, whether it's my therapist or my chiropractor or um, my, my actual coach who does my labs and things like that. Like I can get a very holistic view. So I think that's really important. So a couple, I did three tests that I think absolutely changed my health and gave me like a really good view of what was going on. The first one was the GI mapping test, which was a stool test, very humbling experience. This is poop in a dish and send it in that I'll tell you that. Um, and then I did a Dutch test, which I think that's like a test everyone should do at least once a year, just to get a good idea of like what your hormones are doing. Um, and then the third one that I did that I've never done before, um, but it was also a big eye opener was my HTMA, which is a hair um, and mineral analysis. And you pretty much like cut a piece of your hair at the root in the back of your head, you send it into a lab and it pretty much tells you where your minerals are at and also your heavy metals. So you can see if you have any type of heavy metal toxicity, which can lead to anxiety, depression, and all these other mental health issues. Um, but then also you could see if you have a calcium shell, which is really important to see if you're even absorbing nutrients to begin with. I know so many people think the first step is to go to supplements, but if you're not even absorbing the supplements, whether they're the highest quality or the most bioavailable, if you have something like a calcium shell, you literally have a hard outer shell around your cells that are not going to get or receive any information from the mineral, the, whatever you're taking, whether it's minerals or, and whatnot, or a multivitamin or a prenatal or whatever, like it's really important to know what your minerals are doing. And that was a test that made me find, find out um, that I was literally working off stress because when you're extremely stressed, your body runs through its minerals. So I had like none, even though I'm like really good about my minerals, um, it was fairly low. So it just told me like, I need, now I need to handle my mental health and I need to handle my physical stress and my, my mental stress and start to balance out again. So those are three tests that I think absolutely changed the game for me. And I recommend them to literally everyone as like a literal baseline to start your health journey. I know it's, it's wild. I think some people are just um, comfortable not knowing. And that's mm, for, oh, for sure. the, biggest, the biggest red flag, right? Is a lot of us health conscious individuals, right? Coaches, we are we just like not knowing working on our clients is fine, but we like not knowing about ourselves. And one of the things that, you know, my clients will ask me, Taylor, how do I get better at functional, holistic, all this? It's like, have you ever used yourself as a guinea pig? Right. Because yeah. 
as you know, the healing journey, it's like never ending, right? Like you're never really no. done. You're always working on something and one thing gets fixed. Always something, gets, yeah. Yeah, like there's a million rabbit holes. And I will tell you the um, mineral analysis test was like one of the most eye-opening tests that I've mm. ever done because I was like, ev- everything at the time was so wrong. And it was because my cortisol was non-existent and it all made yeah. And, you know, it's wild, right? And uh, I was just talking actually yesterday about how I should probably get another one. It's been two years. I should probably get another one of those done. Um, But no, this, I mean, if there's one piece of advice that you can kind of leave us with, right, for just being the best coach you can be, being the healthiest individual you can be, like, what is that? Yeah, I mean, oh my God, I feel like it's so hard to say one thing because I'm such a like, it's so it's different for everybody kind of person. But I think the one thing that, um, has always been true from the beginning of my health journey to now is just get rid of the noise and just start focusing on what makes sense to you. Cause I get, I feel like I get DM after DM like of people sending me things and be like, what do you think about this? Does this make sense? And it's like, it doesn't matter if it makes sense to me. Does it make sense to you to maybe skip breakfast every single morning and do you do you feel good when you when you eat like that like it's not up to me to tell you you know um does it make sense for you to drink artificially dyed drinks every single day like do you feel good doing that like that I could tell you every day like what to do but do you feel good doing that um so I think people get really away from their intuition or like maybe you go to the doctor and the doctor's like nope everything looks normal does that feel good to you? Like, the, do you feel normal? Just because he's telling you you are doesn't mean you feel that way. And that was one thing where, like, I would have, I would have um, saved a lot of time and energy if I actually listened to myself um, and I didn't try all these diets that people were telling me this is the best diet and that's the best diet. Now I just eat real food. That's it. And if a doctor tells me your labs are normal, I'm like, okay, I take that and I go to the next doctor with the same thing until I find the answer that makes the most sense to me. That's it. So I think really just honing in on your intuition and not taking no for an answer and just asking yourself every ad that you get on TikTok or Instagram, be like, does this make sense for me? Do I really need this? Or not only do I need it, but does this make sense? Does this really sound like a cure? Do cures like this really exist? Do you think the cure is some TikTok ad from like some 16 year old? Like probably not, you know? So it's like, I think we really have to think a little more inside instead of we're always going to be sold something at the end of the day. So I think we always have to come back to ourselves and be like, does this, does this make sense? Does this study make sense? Does this ad make sense? Does the supplement make sense? Like every single thing. And I think that's the biggest advice that I can give anybody, whether you're starting out or you're 10 years deep into your health journey. I think that's the one thing that's like tried and true every single time is like listening to your gut and just forming that relationship with yourself and trusting yourself more than anybody else. I mean, one of the best lessons that I think I did with myself when I first started all this healing years ago was think about, this is kind of a different angle than what you said, but think about everything you eat in a day and how many things per meal are coming from a package. Word. You know, like Mm. that's a really easy tell for you. And I would say in combination with, you know, go down rabbit holes learn your body in a way that you don't know it yet versus yeah. I perceive feeling good. I don't, per- you know what I mean? Like that's, that's different. Like remove the yeah. and get data. That's like the best thing I can say. Like, yeah. yes, listen to your symptoms. But at the end of the day, what is data showing? Because I will tell you, yes, I waited until things were wild, but I wish I would have done more lab work earlier because I would have seen what was happening earlier. Right. But oh, hundred percent. I, I didn't do freaking lab work until I was already like seven years into my feeling like shit. I was like, oh yeah, now I should maybe do it, you know? And I remember getting blood work like five years in and the doctor was like, no, everything's good. And I just kind of took that and I was like, okay, like I can keep eating how I want to eat. Um, and then I was like, wait, no, I literally feel terrible. Like this isn't right. Like I feel absolutely like shit. I I know it feels good for me to have my Oreos every single night, but maybe I should stop, you know, like what's the worst that could happen? Like, will I feel worse? Maybe I'll feel like sad because I'll miss them. Um, But I'll tell you right now, uh, five years later, I don't miss shit. I don't miss that Oreo. I don't miss eating like that at all. Like I love having my healthier, my actual healthy alternatives and eating the way I do. Like I don't miss 
eating the way that it used to. It is wild because like, I think about just all of the changes that I'm sure you've made too. And like, there are very few times where like, you just get stuck somewhere at an airport too long, whatever. And I'm the kind of person that's got food in my bag at all times. Like that's just me. But there are times where I've been like, oh, shit, I should probably just let, let me grab a protein bar really fast. And I mean, it was like twice and it just tastes so bad now because you're, yeah, so, it far, good. you're yeah. so far removed from like the artificial stuff that you're like, how did I consume this? Like, this is bad. Like, I know that this yeah. is not what I should be consuming, but like really, ugh. so, you know, the days of microwaving protein bars and all of those things, it just cracks me up because what tasted so good and it just shows you how warped your taste buds get with these artificials because it's just so different. So anyway, oh, I percent forever about this, but um, I will yeah. be linking <laughs> all of your information, obviously in the show notes. And I know you've got plenty of supplements and information and all of that on your website as well. Um, For sure. It's been fun, dude. I'm glad we could finally do this. I know. I know. It's usually I don't um, get to chat with like other coaches who just like get it. So it's like nice to feel like, like I finally feel like we're starting to see way more coaches like become a little bit more holistic with the fitness industry. So it just gives me hope that like things are going to like people are starting to like actually realize that this is we can't keep doing the food freedom and the macros and the protein Oreo balls. Like we can't keep doing this. It's getting exhausting. So it's just good to know that there's people out there actually coaching in a holistic way on, and getting people results. So yeah, no, this is really great. I'm I, hopefully people get a lot of information out of this. I think it'll be eye opening for sure. Now everyone go run oh, and yeah. get labs done. Go run. Yeah. Go everyone get a lab. <laughs> Literally go poop in a tray and send it in, please. <laughs> I'm done. I want to give you a virtual high five for finishing another episode of the Taylor DeHaze podcast. Love the episode? Share it and tag me on Instagram. Have a question? My DMs are always open. Until next time. Bye, y'all.